0: Hello, and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast. It's Thursday, July the 9th. I'm Richard Woolley, and this week, I'm going to be speaking to senior reporter Aurelia Siedelhofer about the Dutch retailer HEMA, and catching up with financial analyst Cedric Cassan for the latest on Spanish construction group OHL. First, though, a quick look at the revitalized European primary market. New research from Bank of America has revealed €80 billion of investor flows returning to European credit in the second quarter of 2020. And 11% total returns for high yield corporate bonds over the period. Both the loan and bond markets have reached half the volume for full year 2019, with about €40 billion of leveraged loans and €46 billion of high yield bonds at the start of July this year, according to Morgan Stanley. The first full week of quarter three is also shaping up to be a busy one, with six new deals across high yield and leveraged loans coming to market since Monday. Biopharma Group Avantor has announced a dual-tranche offering consisting of $1 billion and €400 million of senior unsecured notes due 2028. Proceeds will be used to repay a portion of its $2 billion unsecured notes due 2025. Dutch subsidiary of US uh, retail technology group Diebold Nixdorf is seeking to raise €350 million through new senior secured 2025 notes. Swedish alarm system business Very sure has this afternoon priced 1.6 billion euros in six-year loans and bonds. Johannesburg-listed property developer Neppi Rockcastle's subsidiary, NE Property, has priced a 500 million euro seven-year unsecured euro bond at 3.375% fixed coupon, with an issue price of 98.2. Latvian telecoms group Byte has priced 400 million euros of 5.5-year fixed-rate notes at par, To pay a coupon of four point six two five percent and two hundred and fifty million euros of five point five year FRNs at ninety nine point five with a spread of four hundred sixty two point five basis points over Eurobore. Parts Europe, formerly known as Autodis, has priced a five year three hundred million euro senior secured bond at par with a coupon of six point five percent. The latter two deals are the subject of in-depth primary analyses by Reorg's financial analysts and those are available to read on the Reorg website. Turning to Hema now, this name has been uh, topical on Reorg but also caused some noise in the Dutch press in recent weeks. So I asked senior reporter Aurelia Sedelhofer to give us some background on it.
1: Hema has been struggling with high leverage for a while and the COVID-19 impact added to that. The group also had a 50.1 million hardcore peak maturity on June 15th which would have triggered a cross-default on the company's RCF. So it became clear that a wider solution for the restructuring of the debt had to be found before then. In early June, it became known that Amfastus proposed to cut the debt by 60% in exchange for 25% of equity for bondholders, but they rejected that. In the end, a group of senior secured bondholders agreed with the RCF lenders to cut debt by about 50% while taking over all the equity from Amfastus. As part of the deal, the pick notes and senior unsecured notes will be left behind, but holders would receive an exit fee and a percentage of excess value. To implement the deal, the group is looking to use an English scheme of arrangement.
0: And some investors were a bit spooked by a so-called tax bomb, allegedly uh, left behind in Hemmer's corporate structure. What exactly did that mean?
1: Yes, this has caused some confusion. The theory was that HEMA could potentially face a tax payment in the region of 112 million because the Dutch tax authorities could see the debt relief as taxable profit. Additionally, HEMA could lose out on about 20 million in tax offsets, which were held at the holdco level. So if you transfer the operating company to a different entity, you would lose these tax benefits essentially.
0: But that theory wasn't correct.
1: Only partly because the restructuring is an enforcement process and not done consensually with run It was always clear to the people involved that the group would lose the tax offset at the HOTCO level. But as for the £112 tax payment, it is possible to structure the transaction in a way that would not give rise to this liability.
0: There was also some news about a group of payment-in-kind note holders filing the parent company for bankruptcy. What impact could that have on the restructuring transaction?
1: Yes, a group of PIC holders started bankruptcy proceedings because the company didn't repay the loan at maturity on June 15th. The group also applied for an attachment over the shares of three HEMA group companies, including the department store itself. They can do this because they are not bound by the inter agreement as they are outside of the restricted group. But the senior secured group, according to their advisors, will be able to get around the attachment and enforce their security because the assets are collateral for the restricted group. It will be a matter for the Dutch courts to decide how and when the picknotes attachment is going to be lifted.
0: And the picknotes did this presumably because they feel like the exit fee and percentage of access value isn't sufficient recovery for them. What about the senior unsecured notes, the 150 million euros? Uh, Notes who are also just receiving an exit fee and a percentage of excess value.
1: The PIC holders would receive about 500,000 euros exit fee and 1.5% of any excess value, while the senior unsecured notes would get 1.5 million euros cash fee plus 5% excess value. But while the PIC notes are not happy with this, a majority of the senior unsecured notes have accepted it and will also use an English scheme of arrangement to implement this restructuring agreement.
0: And what's the senior secured bondholder group planning on doing with HEMA once the restructuring is implemented? At the
1: moment, the company has launched consent solicitations to change the governing law of the senior unsecured nodes and the senior secured nodes. The group is also running an M&A process to confirm the valuation of the company, so the restructuring is expected to be completed sometime in the autumn. But it looks like the bondholders don't plan on owning HEMA for an extended period of time. And there have been several press reports of potential investors interested in acquiring HEMA from the bondholders.
0: OHL, the Spanish construction company, is making headlines again. It's well known for its complicated capital structure and uh, limited disclosures. In 2017, a 2 billion euro asset sale of its toll roads business allowed it to reduce leverage and simplify its structure. I asked Cedric Cassan why the company was back in the news.
2: Yeah, OHL is a Spanish construction company with revenues of 2.9 billion euros, 10,000 employees in Spain, 19,000 globally. It has 630 million euros of recourse debt, mainly two unsecured bonds issued in 2014 and 2015, 55 million euros of non-recourse debt. OHL generated negative EBITDA in 2017 and 2018, just 65 million euros in 2019. So it has very low profitability, high leverage, high cash, high cash uh, consumption. Um, COVID-19 has worsened the business outlook and quashed hopes of two expected asset sales, which could have boosted the liquidity by a few hundred million euros. The company has just negotiated with its lenders a state-guaranteed financing. 140 million euros, which suggests to us that the cash burn rate in 2020 will be more than initially expected. The bondholders are being primed by the new secured facility, and on top of that, the lenders are pushing for an agreement with bondholders before releasing the entire facility. The issuer and the bondholders have each hired financial and legal advisors.
0: Do we have an idea of what is being negotiated?
2: The issuer has pledged against the new facility, its real estate development business. That division owns the stakes in two big real estate projects in Madrid and London. Regarding negotiation with bondholders, a bond for equity swap is on the cards. How much of the bonds would be converted into equity and what stake in the company they would take is still unclear. Initial talks focused on a potential conversion of 30% of the company's notes, against the majority stake in the business. No agreement has been found yet. Some sources told us that bondholders see the conversion rate as too aggressive. Also, bondholders want an equity injection from existing shareholders.
0: Okay, looking forward, what are the next key dates?
2: The issuer has called a bondholder meeting for July the 20th. It is asking bondholders to waive in advance a potential event of default under the bond terms. It relates to security granted to new credit line. The banks have set end of July as a deadline to reach a deal on the new credit line and the debt restructuring. The coupons on the bonds are due in September, and GVM, which is Group of Ilamir, the historic shareholder of the company, is itself in the middle of a debt restructuring negotiations. It has until November to find a solution. It pledged to sell by the end of the year in its entire stakes in OHL and Ferroglobe, which is a UK metals company. So the situation could evolve very rapidly.
0: Okay, so a few questions. What's the shareholder structure now? Do we know who owns the bonds? And um, I uh, there was some discussion in the past about a merger um, with a Mexican construction company. Could you talk a little bit more about that?
2: Since 2018 and until May this year, GVM had a 33% stake in OHL. In May, GVM sold part of its stake to the Amodio family for 50 million euros. The Amodio family is from Mexico and they own a business called CAPSA, which is a Mexican construction group. They have an option to buy an additional 9% from GVM until November. So currently, GVM owns 17% of the company, the Amodio family owns 16% and the hedge fund Sandgrove owns 6%. Sandgrove also apparently reportedly owns a significant stake in the bonds. 54% is in free float according to our calculation. Capsa and OHL formally held negotiations for a merger in February but no agreement has, be, has been found in the end. Instead, the Amojo family directly negotiated with GVM for an acquisition of its stake in OHL.
0: And how was the operating and financial performance of late?
2: Well, since the disposal of the concession businesses in Latin America, OHL results have been driven by the con- contracting activities in Spain, LATAM and the US. As I said earlier, the company generated negative EBITDA in 2017 and 2018. In 2019, generated just 65 million euros. So that's margins of around 2%, 2.4%, which is pretty weak even for a construction business. Like peers, margins are closer to like 6-7%. On top of that, the cons- cash consumption is high, uh, 250 million euros burned on the LTM basis. Those poor metrics are due to a number of loss-making projects signed at unrealistic margin by the previous management team. The current management team has been much more disciplined and conservative about about new orders, but the improvement in the accounts has been slow. Regarding the outlook, the order book gives a good indication. New orders were down by 50% in the second half of last year and 20% in the Q1 this year. The LTM book-to-bill ratio is well below 1. It's at uh, 0.83 times. So it has weakened quite rapidly, I I must say, before COVID. The new shareholders have high ambitions and they are targeting revenues to grow by 25% to 4 billion euros and margin to improve to 4%. Whether that's achievable uh, in the current environment is... is, um, is uh, we will see let's say they're also interested in restarting the concession uh, activity
0: as always you can read more about all of the situations mentioned in this week's podcast online at reorg.com we'll be back in two weeks time with another reorg europe podcast but until then stay safe and thank you very much for listening